0: Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. My name is Liz and I will be your host. I'm so excited to have you here today for this episode in particular because it is a very special episode. I know that I've done previous episodes kind of similar to this topic area so I'm really glad to have you here and let's just jump into the episode. I first just wanted to start out by acknowledging the fact that there is a good chance that I'm probably speaking to a fellow survivor. By this, I mean that you have probably, in some instance, experienced some sort of sexual assault or violence, and I just want to say that no matter what your story is and what your circumstances are, I believe you, I hear you, and I'm here to stand with you today. And if you don't consider yourself to be a fellow survivor, there is probably a good chance that you know of someone, whether it's your mom, your sister a friend that has experienced some sort of sexual assault experience and I speak to you like this because of these staggering statistics according to CDC one in three women have or will experience sexual violence involving physical contact in her lifetime for men it's one in four nearly one in five women have experienced completed or attempted rape in her lifetime and one in three women will experience it for the first time between 11 to 17 years old I was just 19 years old when I was sexually assaulted. Five years later I have kind of come to this knowing and knowledge and I think that I come to understand and better understand my experience a little better each year on this specific day and I don't like to call it an anniversary because the word anniversary to me means something that's celebratory, something that is happy and you know is the complete opposite of traumatic and depressing like sexual assault. I think I know so many women and some of those women may be listening to this episode that have experienced sexual assault and haven't had the same justice that I have had the fortunate experience of having. And if you haven't listened to my previous episode called Running From Trauma, I kind of go a lot more in depth into my personal story around sexual assault. I'll kind of touch on it in this episode, but I won't go too deep into it. So make sure to go and check out that episode if you're interested in listening to that. That episode particularly is also like one of my most listened to episodes, which genuinely just means the world to me. And I still remember when I released that episode and how hard it was to release because I wasn't completely sure I was ready to put that out there. But I just I got such positive feedback from so many women and men. And I just think that this is a universal. It's almost universal that I think that a lot of people can unfortunately relate to this topic. So I kind of wanted to start by reflecting on each year since the sexual assault. So the way that I want to go about this is kind of reverting back to old Instagram posts and social media posts that I've made. But if you are unaware, um, I was sexually assaulted on February 6, 2016 in the early hours of the morning. Obviously, I will not be going into very much detail um, because it is kind of a lot. But again, if you're interested in learning more about my specific personal experience, go and check out my running from trauma episode. I think the first year that goes by after your sexual assault is probably one of the hardest and I've recently actually watched two friends kind of share and be open about that on social media and I think it was within the one or two year mark and I think that those are some of the hardest years where you really kind of have to look for the good in those days because it's kind of hard not to kind of realize what time of year it is and realize like, you know, specific dates and times and events. So one year after my sexual assault, I posted, it's crazy how quickly a year flies by. This time of the year has become particularly hard because of the traumatic events that occurred exactly a year ago today. I'm happy to say that I've been making positive moves in my life in regards to my sexual assault. I ended up finding out that my testimony was one of the best that the title IX panel had heard. And for that reason, I won my hearing. I think some of my initial just thoughts around kind of looking at this caption again um, years later is that A, anyone could have looked at this caption and thought, wow, she is making moves, she's making really positive change in her life, but I, and I will go into this a bit more later, I was probably the most mentally unstable that I had been for like a full year, from 2016 to 2017, and I'm not putting that lightly, it was one of the hardest things that I've struggled through and it was like a daily basis sort of thing where I was at some points I would be frightened for my life and at other points I would be okay to the point where I could get myself to class I think something that's really important for me to note here as well is that it's totally okay for you not to be okay and i think even you know in 2018 2019 2020 even this year it hits you in different ways in different waves of emotions and you kind of just need to let yourself know that it's okay that you're feeling these emotions and you may cry multiple times on that specific day i know that i did and It can be hard because sometimes you just want to turn and you want to just suppress these feelings and drown them in things like alcohol and other, you know, drugs and that sort of thing. But I would really push you to try and face these emotions and face these feelings head on because the more that you work towards processing this trauma, I'm not going to tell you that it just gets better overnight, but it does help the healing process for sure. Next, in 2018, I posted, two years ago today, I was sexually assaulted. Everything that I had ever known of myself was totally and absolutely ripped from me. I lacked motivation to do well in school and don't remember a single night that wasn't spent crying. Though I have the privilege to say that I won my Title IX case, I spent the entire next year living every day in fear of this man. I even feared the month of February, despite the fact that my birthday falls within the same month. But today, I got the opportunity to speak at a panel on how I obtained my internship experiences and the plans that I solidly do have after I graduate. I got to inspire and connect with students that were in my exact place two years ago. This day will never not hold meaning, but today I was finally able to look at this day in a brighter light. And reflect more on the strength I've obtained in overcoming this hardship rather than all the pain it brought me. Whew, wow. So, while I'm sharing these with you, I want you to know that I'm not just reading these verbatim. This is kind of actually an idea that I had on the spot before recording this. So, a lot of what I'm reading, I'm reading for the first time, you know, five years later. Well, this would be three years later. But this is emotional. And this is I remember this specifically. So this was my last year of college. And I if you didn't know, I graduated with public health from the University of Washington. And I essentially got asked to go and speak on a panel to a lot of, you know, first year, second year students. And I was kind of coming to speak about my internship experiences that I had gained as well as my educational experiences. And it was easily one of the most Humbling experiences that I've had just because I sat there looking at students that were in my place just a few years ago. And to be able to even sit there and tell them that I had plans post grad was something that I don't think I had envisioned when I had first experienced my sexual assault in 2016. Come 2019 was actually the first year that I chose not to be vocal about my sexual assault on social media. And this was mostly because I was in the midst of my graduate. Program in London so I think I was kind of still getting to know people I mean the closer friends that I had made I had definitely told about it and obviously friends from back home knew about it but in hindsight I was kind of just not as I was not wanting to put myself out there as much which is okay and I think that some years and some days you just won't really feel like wanting to Focus on that very much. And I think I was kind of going through a lot too, just in that process of going through a master's program in a new city and a new country and all that jazz. And so even though I wasn't vocal about it, it didn't mean that that day was not particularly any more important to me. Come 2020, I actually did choose to post about it. And this was mostly because I had experienced something at work that was kind of odd and um, I'll I'll explain but essentially I was leaving the company that I was at because my student visa was expiring and there was a man that was about 20 30 years older than me that decided to write me like a five page email basically ex- expressing his love for me <laughs> and it was kind of it came as a big shock just because I never expected it from this guy and obviously I just do want to note that obviously he did not sexually assault me in any way I think it was just kind of similar to my prior circumstances where my sexual assault happened with someone that I knew and trusted and someone that I just never expected it from, if that makes sense. The guy who sexually assaulted me was also someone that I worked with at the time, so you can kind of see how the feelings can be similar. I also just went through a period where I just had the hardest time trusting men, and it wasn't just like Specifically to the guy who sexually assaulted me. It was like all men, even down to my chemistry TA at one point. I talk a lot about this in my running from trauma episode. So if you want to hear more about that, make sure to go and check that out. So coming to 2021 this year, I think it's a definitely a different experience for me in just reflecting. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've not been drinking for quite some time. If you've listened to my episode called Running from Binge Drinking, you'll know that Steph and I talk a lot about the college drinking culture and environment, and I think that that had a lot to do with a lot of the traumatic things that happened in college. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you'll know that I was a part of a sorority in college, and specifically, my story does take place in that sort of setting. Unfortunately, as many of you know, sexual assault is extremely prevalent in college sororities and fraternities in the US. According to a statistic, women in sororities are 74% more likely to experience sexual assault on a college campus than women who are not involved in Greek life. But this is not to discount women who are not and have never joined a sorority, but I just wanna say that my story is centered around being in a sorority. I know of too many women that were both involved in Greek life and both who are not involved in Greek life that have experienced sexual assault. I think what I notice in a lot of the stories that I hear is this overarching theme of not feeling like you have a voice. And so my purposes with this episode today are to be your voice. As I mentioned previously, today, the day that this episode is released, is February 6, 2021, but on February 6, 2016, I was sexually assaulted, and it will never not hold heaviness. It will never not be emotional for me. It's emotional for me in different ways, but on the flip side of that, as many of you know, on April 18, 2017, at specifically 2.07 p.m., I received an email confirmation from the president of my university that I won not only my my investigation and hearing, but my entire Title IX case. I also just want to say that I want you to know that you aren't a coward for not reporting your case. There are so many women that I know that have not reported their cases because they don't feel like they have a voice, but equally I've also heard of many women that have reported their case and have been told that they lack evidence. So no matter what category you fall into, I just want to let you know that you are incredibly brave for still being here today, for standing up for yourself and making it through another day. I know that that first year can be so, so difficult, and I really had to be my own cheerleader for a full year, all 365 days, and so I just encourage you to keep going another day. Specifically, I do just want to mention to anyone listening because I won't really be posting this or broadcasting this anywhere else but something that I've always wanted to do is write a book and I've just always been kind of grappling with what ideas in terms of like what I should be writing about but I think on this fifth year and this fifth you know marking five years since my sexual assault I think it's actually really dawned on me that there is a lack of discussion around what these Title IX cases really look like. And a lot of what I get in terms of feedback whenever people hear about the fact that I won my Title IX case is that, you know, oh my gosh, like that's amazing. And, you know, congratulations and all these things. But what you don't know is that I really, as I mentioned, struggled mentally for like a full year and that's that wasn't just internal that was external as well that was not being able to trust men around me and not feeling like I could not feeling safe around men and having to deal with investigators and lawyers and having to retell my story over and over again in detail, as well as deal with lawyers and adults that were telling me that I was a liar. Um, And there were just a lot of things that I never really told anyone about that I would really love to put into a book and really shed more light onto that experience because I don't think there's a lot of discussion around that. So if you're listening to this, this is just a little nudge that I am in the process of writing a book. I'm not going to share the title or any details just yet, but I'm really excited about it and I would love to come out with it soon, so you'll just have to stay tuned. One of the specific things that I am focusing on and kind of reflecting on this year in my fifth year since the assault is how much I depended on alcohol in that first year after being sexually assaulted. I know I've talked about my lack of drinking in the past year and just trying to be sober for the most part but i think that in this sobriety journey i have really a lot of memories have really been coming back to me and things that i think i really used alcohol to suppress specifically from my sexual assault experience and kind of the ptsd and everything that kind of happened after i think something worth mentioning as well is that not only was i heavily drinking in that first year after the sexual assault but i kind of um, On those different years in 2019, 2018, I really did kind of sometimes revert to alcohol on this specific day to kind of forget about the memory and kind of avoid the emotions that come with this day and the heaviness that does come with February 6th for me. What I'm about to share is something that I have really pushed quite far down into my memory. So much so that it quite literally came back to me a few nights ago at two or three in the morning. And you know, that metaphor of someone pushing a ball into like a body of water and you keep pushing it, but eventually it will come back and smack you in the face even harder than you were pushing it down. That was me just a few nights ago. And I think what's most alarming about this is the fact that it didn't serve as a red flag event for me. And it didn't make me want to stop drinking. If anything, I think it actually promoted me into more drinking just because I felt so ashamed of myself that I just wanted to continue to drink the sorrows away. I do almost just want to put a trigger warning in place here just because this is quite heavy stuff. And I also want to say an apology to my parents that are about to listen to this because I know that they listen to every episode. So this happened sometime in my junior year, so the year that I did make the report for my Title IX case. I think I was really just dealing with a lot in terms of school in addition to the case and work and my mental health again was just at an all time low. I was having insomnia some nights and I had like the same reoccurring nightmare that this guy was outside my window with a gun. Like it was really, really bad and I was really struggling. My roommate at the time was not someone that I had previously known. So she was kind of just someone that I met off of a Facebook page for my university. And she was a nice person. She was fine, but she really liked to promote my drinking as well, which is also fine because obviously I never communicated to her or really had any knowledge at the time that my drinking was a problem. There was a particular night that we went out to this house party and we were going because she wanted to see this guy that she was seeing and he was going to be there and I was kind of just tagging along because I knew that there'd be alcohol, so I was obviously keen to go. One of the Snapchat memories that I have from that night is my... 5th of New Amsterdam and it being half drinking, half an hour into being at the party. At the time, I and those around me obviously found it funny and hilarious, but it was actually not very funny because I kept drinking and I continued to drink throughout the night, so much so that I did not remember the walk home. I don't remember how we got home. My roommate let me know that we basically walked home together, her and this guy and me kind of lagging behind. And this discussion was also had after the fact that I woke up the next day and woke up next to a pile of my own vomit. I think this was such a scary thing to wake up to and I know that my voice sounds chipper and this is just my typical voice, but this by no means is a lighthearted and fun thing for me to talk about. I think one of the worst parts about that night is that my roommate had basically kind of made a joke that when we got home essentially, they kind of went into their own bedroom, but at one point they kind of just came to check on me to quote unquote make sure I was breathing. The I can't really even put it into words, but just the idea that I don't remember vomiting while, while I was sleeping and thank God and thank the Lord that I sleep on my side, that was a very scary thing to wake up to. In the last part of this episode, I'd really like to touch on kind of what I've personally learned on the correlation between alcohol and trauma. This may or may not be something that you know about, but it was not something that I knew about, at least not in the last year, just because, you know, as many of you know, in this past year has really been the first time that I've re-examined my relationship with alcohol, and I've just really taken a massive break. So I just wanted to share a few things that I've learned and obviously all of the statistics and research that I've shared in this episode will be listed and linked in the show notes. So, the first one may seem like kind of an obvious one, but one of the main predictors for having a substance abuse disorder is experiencing trauma. And the simplest definition of trauma can really just be an emotional response to a terrible event. So, notice that I did not specify what type of event or what type of response. These are all individualized, so what might be traumatic for me could have little or no impact on you. And a person experiencing trauma is in the best position to define their experience based on what they are thinking, feeling, and going through. In one survey of adolescents receiving treatment for substance use, more than 70% had a history of trauma exposure, and teens who experienced physical or sexual abuse were three times as likely to use substances than those who had not. 59% of young people with post-traumatic stress disorder develop substance use disorders, and people who experience trauma and PTSD often turn to alcohol and other substances to manage the intense flood of emotions and traumatic reminders. They may also try and use it to numb themselves. Drugs and alcohol may initially dull the effects of trauma and help manage associated distress, but a dangerous cycle may begin. After a traumatic event, a person may drink to deal with anxiety, depression, and irritability. Typically, alcohol initially seems to relieve these symptoms, but when we experience a traumatic event, the brain releases endorphins that help numb the physical and emotional pain of the event, and this is our body naturally helping us cope. So it's important to note here that drinking is generally not the problem it is usually a symptom of another problem often the problem is trauma and in such cases drinking is not generally about having fun it's really about managing the pain of what you're dealing with so, I really just want to end this episode by saying, as someone who is a sexual assault survivor and also someone who was heavily dependent on alcohol for a few years of her life, I just really urge you to A, seek professional help if you are also a fellow survivor and struggling. B, I think it's really important to look to other things such as journaling, working out, exercising, and healthier coping habits than drugs or alcohol. I know sometimes it just seems easier to make a drink or to go and do drugs, but as someone who has experienced that and kind of really relied on that, I just really want to urge you to push for a better you and this doesn't mean that you need to completely change yourself overnight and you need to be in tip-top shape by the next day. I think it's really about taking it one day at a time and for about a year I had to take it one day at a time for 365 days but for that one day of the year that is a reminder of when you were sexually assaulted I just want to let you know that it is completely okay. To completely break down because I have definitely done that and there's absolutely no shame in it but I think it's definitely something worth journaling about worth talking to someone about and as someone who is hitting five years today since my sexual assault I just want to let you know that it does get better and that the first year or two will suck And it will be a really, really tough day. And I know that I've spoken to many friends on that particular day. And I think it's really important to be kind to yourself and take the time to do nice things for yourself on that day. Because I think the fact that you are here, that you're even listening to this, I A, really appreciate you. But B, I think you are incredibly strong and incredibly worthy. I also will be leaving a list of resources in the show notes, so please feel free to take a look at that. But lastly, I just want to say that my DMs are always open if you feel like you'd like to email me. I think that that's somewhere on my Instagram page, but my Instagram is at resiliency and running for the podcast. But personally, I'm just at Liz Newcomer. I am an open book and I can always talk about this stuff. And I really really like having these conversations with people because I feel like if I can be there for you and if I can create that space for you i would a thousand percent love to do that for you and if you want to feel just a little bit stronger today and a little bit inspired i urge you to go and listen to the song called rise up it's by andre day and it was actually the song that was playing in my headphones when i got that email that i won my case and i actually have a whole playlist dedicated to feeling stronger in sexual assault that i will also have linked in the show notes All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you again so, so much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen to this episode. It really does mean the world. I also just lastly wanted to remind people listening that I am fundraising for Boston Children's Hospital for the London Marathon in 2021 this year. I will have a link in the show notes to directly donate, but alternatively, I also have merchandise on my website that I actually Actually created for my own artwork so all proceeds go towards boston children's hospital so i would so appreciate it if you go and check that out and if you happen to be on apple podcasts i would so appreciate it if you would leave a review and leave feedback because i love seeing that otherwise i will see you the next episode bye